This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. If you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero, where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast, where we talk about faith, family, fitness, finances, and sometimes fun. Well, friends, good to talk to you. I'm recording on a Saturday morning, uh, which is rare, but uh, the rhythm of my life seems to have changed in the last few months, as I've talked about a great deal. And so an early Saturday morning recording session is what happened. So again, unfortunately, sorry, like a couple of weeks ago, I am drinking my morning coffee. So you will probably get a pause every now and then, and I'll do my best not to slurp into the microphone. So a couple things to catch everyone up on. First of all, I want to let you guys know that uh, my podcasts have definitely been diverse lately. As you've noticed, there's been a little bit less of this, this is going to hurt aspect of the podcast. And so things are definitely morphing. And that's because I now have three podcasts and might be starting a fourth. Um, I encourage you to check out the Capitalize Your Best podcast. And the Capitalize Your Best podcast really is focusing primarily on business uh, because my business, Capitalized Marketing and Consulting, helps clients capitalize on what they do best so they can better care for their clients and customers. And so most of my business thinking has been going there. Doesn't mean you won't see it at the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast, but a lot of it's been going there. And then I have a Spotify-only podcast. It's on Spotify and Anchor, and that is the Church Training Partners podcast. And that's where we offer encouragement to churches and to church planters and pastors. And so some of my thoughts have been divvied up there. And as a result, what's happened a lot here on the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast is that it's become more of an entertainment podcast. Well, I might be launching a fourth podcast with Emma. Um, whenever I have Emma on the show, it's an absolute blast. And she and I might be starting a movie-only podcast. Uh, she and I have talked about lots of things, but since movies um, have been a focus of ours, we're considering that. So that might be coming up in 2021. Well, what does that mean for the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast? Well, what I'd like to do is to continue with my interviews in 2021 and return to a bit of that how did you overcome this struggle theme uh, that this is going to hurt. Uh, so that's what we're going to try to focus a little bit more on 2021, but we've got to really decide about, am I starting a fourth podcast with Emma? But I encourage you to check them all out. There's very little repetition. Every now and then I will share an episode across platforms, um, but right now that's what's going on. We've got the three, this is going to hurt. We've got capitalize your best. And then I have a Spotify anchor only podcast, which is called church training partners. And quite honestly, I'm keeping that as spot as Spotify anchor only, because when you do that, it allows you to use original music and I'm enjoying that right now. So we'll see if that finds its way onto iTunes and other platforms. But with the end of the year coming up, I wanted to do some of my top five, top tens, uh, so I've been working on a couple of lists. I've been working on my favorite movies of the year, movies that had to be released in 2020. And then I've also been working on my favorite albums and books. Now, for my favorite albums, this is interesting. I decided to restrict it completely to hard rock, heavy metal albums. Now, I know I may be losing a few of you by doing that, but I'm encouraging you to check out a few of these things. Um, but growing up as a heavy metal kid, I think you guys have heard my story. My first album was Kiss Destroyer, along with a Spider-Man album. 
And then as a child of the 80s, my main aspiration was to be the drummer of Motley Crue and missed out on that. Um, they had Samantha Maloney from Hole, and they also had Randy Castillo from Ozzy fill in at various times, and Tommy Lee came back, so I never got my shot there. But I didn't really grow up a hard rock heavy metal kid, and I still listen to a lot of it. And it's the the rhythms, it's the drive, it's what I really enjoy. And so uh, I started out by saying, okay, I'm going to do my top five hard rock heavy metal albums of the year. And then all of a sudden it morphed into top, my top 10. Actually, I'm going to wind up with 11. I can't keep my own rules. And uh, for any of you who have listened to some of this music, you're going to be just uh, surprised, I think. Um, and maybe you might just find some music that you enjoy. So uh, here we're going to go into these, and I'll try to explain uh, the background and what got there for me. Uh, so I'm going to pull this up right now, my list. But, uh, you know, there was a fair number of live albums reduced, uh, uh, released at the end of the year. Um, a lot less this year because of a lot less touring. But several bands were able to record concerts in 2019 and at the beginning of 2020 and release those as live albums later on in the year. And uh, in fact, there was a like a one month stretch there where there were three or four really big albums that came out. And I listened to all of them and took them in and I was disappointed by a couple. Sorry, it's my coffee break. Uh, because a live album is interesting. It's not just your band playing their albums live. You've got to uh, recreate the experience. Um, you've got to wish you were in the crowd. In fact, the a best live album makes you feel like you're in the crowd. So I know some bands have supplemented with live crowd noises and that kind of thing, but it's really, are you capturing the energy? And so my number 10 is actually a tie between two live albums. Um, and so the first one is Iron Maiden's Night of the Death and number and a tie with Volbeat's Rewind, Replay, Rebound Live. Now let me tell you why these are important to me. The Iron Maiden Night of the Death, uh, which sounds uh, way more wicked than it is, it's really not, but uh, this was when they did the Legacy of the Beast tour last year, and Iron Maiden had been on my concert bucket list for years, and uh, Landry and I got to go see them. We were in Charlotte, and they came into town, and we were there, and Landry and I went to go see them, and so I had good seats, and the show's amazing, and Landry got to experience it. She didn't really know many Iron Maiden songs, maybe one or two, and it was a full spectacle drama show, everything from flamethrowers to, uh, to airplanes in the sky. And while I'll say this doesn't capture some of the energy that, of Iron Maiden's other live albums, they've got so many, five or six, uh, Live After Death in the 80s is one of the greatest live albums of all time. And uh, it, it doesn't capture all that energy. I think for me, nostalgically listening to it and putting myself in the crowd with Landry, it means a ton. So I'm probably giving this live album a little bit more credit than it deserves. Uh, but because it, it didn't have some of the, the energy like Live at Rio or Flight 666 like those. But it, it, it did put me in that space where I saw the concert with Landry. Now, tied with that is Volbeat's Rewind, Replay, Rebound Live. And I, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, immediately listen to this when it came out because there was a couple of other competition for my, for my uh, brain space. 
But when I did, man, this album has got great energy. If you like Volbeat at all, if you like their music, you are there. It's a blast. It's high speed. It's a great, great album. It's probably, in terms of the energy of live albums, better than Iron Maiden. But like I said, I've just got so much nostalgia for that that I'm just going to encourage you to check them both out. Tied at 10 is Iron Maiden, Night of the Death, and Volbeat's Rewind, Replay, Rebound, Live. They are fun albums to listen to. Um, you might not know all the Iron Maiden songs because it was Legacy of the Beast Tour and they pulled out a bunch of obscure stuff. But still, a ton of fun, both those albums, especially that Volbeat. Great, great, great energy. Now, number nine is Ozzy Osbourne's Ordinary Man. Now, this album was interesting because Ozzy all of a sudden had a top 10 hit again in 2020, which is kind of bizarre because he doesn't write top 10 music anymore at all um, but uh, he he found himself in the top 10 uh, because he did a collaborative song um, with uh, Post Malone and uh, it, it just kind of took off out of there you're like what in the world is going on with um, uh, with Ozzy Osbourne having a top 10 song again um, and it, it, it just, it fits. It's not a heavy metal song. Um, it, it just found its way into the top 10 and kind of was on the, the heels of, um, you know, Post Malone's popularity. And all of a sudden, it's, uh, it's popular. So the song is called Take What You Want. And uh, people are like Ozzy, right? And so, well, all of a sudden, Ozzy came out with a album called Ordinary Man. And so if you know anything about Ozzy, he typically um, he typically records with Zach Wilde, his guitar player. Um, but this one was completely different. Um, he brought in uh, some different, he brought in a producer and different musicians. And honestly, it looks like the album, the way they talk about it, was recorded really, really quickly. And while all of a sudden, he's popular again. But here's the thing, it's a good album. There's times it's got that old school Black Sabbath vibe, um, but there's a new energy with it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I, I miss Zach Wilde's guitar playing. I just absolutely love it, uh, but it's a good album. So if you just like rock and roll albums, I, I think you're going to enjoy Ozzy Osbourne's um, Ordinary Man. And here we are in December of 2020, and he says he's halfway done with another album, 2021. Uh, guy's getting towards the end of his career, end of his, I mean, the guy's hanging in there with Parkinson's and so many other things. Uh, it's good to see that he's continuing to produce produce music. Number eight is ridiculously obscure. Very, very obscure. Okay. There is a brand of canned water called Liquid Death. So it's water that comes in a can. They've got an aggressive marketing campaign called Liquid Death, and they've got their own sort of, um, you know, they've got their niche, right? They're, they're, they're an obscure canned water and liquid day, like, you know, slay your thirst, that kind of thing, right? Well, what they did is they've received a good bit of uh, negative reviews because people just think it's stupid. They don't get the, the joke and, and, and they take it too seriously. So what they did is they took all their negative reviews and they had <laughs> a death metal album created from the negative reviews. So the album is called Greatest Hates, H-A-T-E-S. And the band's just liquid death. And so it's a bunch of death metal musicians. And all they're doing is all their lyrics are 
they're negative reviews. I think it's brilliant marketing. It really is. And if you can handle death metal in any way, maybe this is your entrance into it. Huge, crunchy guitar, blast beats, some growling. But it's a good album. It's not just a, it's not just a, a um, you know, throwaway publicity stunt. It's a good album. I, I hope they put out another one. I found myself listening to it a good bit at the beginning of the year. I forgot about it. It popped up in my shuffle a couple days ago, and it went back on rotation. And check out Liquid Death, Greatest Hates. I love it. I love it. Number seven is from an old school thrash band called Testament. Um, when they talk about the four. Um, you know, the, the titans of thrash when you talk about uh, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and uh, and Anthrax, uh, the big four. Some would often say that Testament should be number five. Um, some argue that it should be overkill and that kind of thing. But they came back with a really strong album, Titans of Creation. And there's a couple of songs on the album that, that just have found its way into my regular rotation for running. Um, just really, really strong. Um, Alex Golnick's always an amazing soloist. I don't think he wrote anything on sound, but he did all the solos. So just quality, quality music, some blast beats, no growling on that. But just, you know, they came back. They hadn't done an album in a while. Really, really good. Number six, here's an obscure one. Okay, not too obscure if you're an old school metal fan. There's a band called Alcatraz. Now, Alcatraz started with lead singer Graham Bonnet, who did some time in Rainbow. And their first album had Ingve Malmsteen on it, and they did a live album. And so uh, Barry, you know, Hiroshino Mono More is a great song. Um, and, and it was one of the entries to Ingve Malmsteen into America. Well, Malmsteen left. Um, he was also in Steeler, and the, but really around that time went on to a solo career. Right? Well, their next album features Steve Vai. And uh, they had an incredible song called uh, uh, God Bless Radio, I believe it was called. And Steve I was amazing. He did some bizarre soloing. If you ever watched that video, you're like, how'd you do that? And so it's been all these bands that kind of come and gone, and they've had other, uh, you know, uh, neoclassical shred guitar players in there. Well, they put out another album, and the album's called Born Innocent. And I'm telling you, it's good because it's just got hooky rock tunes. Like that first song, Born Innocent, is strong. Um, and there's another song called Dirty Like the City, which was written by Steve Vai. And uh, it's just a good, solid rock album, hard rock album. And, and sadly, what's happened is in the last couple of weeks, there's now two Alcatrazes. This happens with bands who have fights over their trademarks. Uh, Queensryche went through it. Rat went through it. Ellie Guns has gone through it. Uh, Great White. There's actually two touring bands with the same name. And so Graham Bonnet has broken off started his own version and it looks like Alcatraz is going to continue. So this was pre-split into two bands and it's still got Grand Bonnet on. He's got a great voice and really, really good, catchy, catchy album of, of hard rock. So I, I've got to recommend that at number six. Now, number five is a band called Lamb of God. Now, Lamb of God is a band that's uh, a modern day thrash band. And I, I've never been a huge Lamb of God fan. Um, uh, just never have sat around and listened to a bunch of their albums. Really haven't. Um, lead singer's name is Randy Blythe. And uh, you know, he's got a really strong growly voice, uh, really does. And up until recently, um, they had Chris Adler on drums, and Chris Adler is just one of the best metal drummers on the face of the planet. And Chris Adler went on to do the drums for the most recent Grammy Award-winning Megadeth album. 
Well, uh, they come back and they get a, a new drummer. Um, I believe his name is Art Cruz. I only know that because I looked up, but he's really, really strong. And they put out a self-titled album called Lamb of God. And I hadn't really listened to it. And here's the thing. They're from Richmond, just up the road. Uh, they attended VCU where Meredith goes. And so, guys, this is a strong, strong album. I mean, strong songs. I mean, they, they're they're heavy. They're, they've got a little bit of catch to them. Um, it's interesting that uh, my music, like these last couple ones, Liquid Death, Testament, Lamb of God, are all really heavy albums. And uh, as I get into the top five, you'll see there's a bit more melodic. But, dude, Lamb of God is a really, really strong album. Uh, I encourage you to check it out if you can handle that heavy of music. But fantastic songwriting. Um, really will get you going down the road. Number four. Number four is Ace Frehley's Origins Volume 2. Now, Ace Frehley, of course, is the original lead guitar player of KISS. I've been a fan of Ace since I was a little kid. His solo album in 78 was on continuous repeat. When he left KISS, he started a band called Freely's Comets, or Freely's Comets, which I really liked when he came back. When I go back and listen to it now, it's a bit, ooh. Uh, and so Ace Freely's uh, solo career has been a bit uneven. And he put out Origins Volume 1 a couple of years ago, which is all cover tunes. And I'll be honest with you, I only liked a song or two of them. I, I didn't like... Uh, it was it was not a, a full album that just stayed on repeat for me. Uh, so when I saw that he was putting out another one, I was kind of like, okay, we'll see. And I just got to say, Origins Volume 2 is fantastic. His cover of Deep Purple Space Trucking is fantastic. Um, I mean, just the whole al album. He does a cover of Kisses She, which he didn't write, which is super strong. Good times, bad times, never in my life. But I mean, space trucking, guys, it's a solid album. If you like Ace's voice and his guitar playing, it's classic. And I'd like to see him do this again because at this point in time in his career, I think his cover tunes are better than his originals. Because um, I really didn't like his Spaceman album from 2018 very much. Um, but Origins Volume 2 is awesome. Um, give it a shot. A ton of cover tunes. And Space Trucking is fantastic. I think that was genius putting that on there. It keeps with the Space Ace theme. So number four, Ace Freely. Okay, the top three. Now I'm going to tell you, number three is probably what is a lot of people's number one hard rock album of the year. And I'm telling you, I love it. I love it. But it's number three. And that's ACDC's Power Up. Now, Power Up came out just a month ago. It's a monster album. It is a return to form uh, these guys are trying to figure out what to do because in the last couple of years, Brian Johnson was replaced by Axl Rose because Brian Johnson had hearing problems. That's been squared away. Malcolm Young, who is really the primary songwriter of the band, uh, passed away. And now uh, I think his nephew is playing with them. But guys, it's an ACDC album, and it's super strong. It doesn't have that back in black kind of <clears throat> song. But then again, who writes back in black, right? I mean, ACDC did. Who can do that? It's a super solid beginning to end every single song. Listen to it. Hard rock album. A lot of people are calling it the number one hard rock album of the year, and I, I get it. I wouldn't argue with it, but just fantastic. They recorded this a long time ago. They didn't release it because they were hoping to go on tour, and now everything stopped, and there was no touring. So they were like, let's release it, and it's been number one across the world. 
Um, good for them. Great to have them out. You only get an album from them every five or six years. Don't know if we'll ever get another album from them. Um, but I do know, I heard in a recent interview with Angus, that there's just song after song after song. It looks like Malcolm Young was recording all the time. So at some point in time, we're probably going to get some B-sides and some rarities, which ACDC, their rarities are probably better than everyone else's A-list stuff. So a lot of fun. All right. I struggled between one and two, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but number two has got to be Stripers, Even the Devil Believes. First of all, what a great album title. These came back, these guys came back, and their last three albums have just been so strong. I mean, here they are, they're a band, they're way over 30 years old, and uh, they're, they're not uh, just fading into obscurity um, at all. Uh, they released Even the Devil Believes this year, two years ago. GD Evil, they released. Uh, 2015 was Fallen. 2013 was No More Hell to Pay. I mean, their last four albums, the album covers are fantastic. And the songs are fantastic. Um, uh, the last one, GD Evil, was not as strong as Fallen. But guys, Even the Devil Believes is incredible. Um, when I heard Blood from Above, which is their lead single, uh, or at least the lead song they released, I was a little hesitant because I thought the the verse was a little thin. It definitely had like a European power metal vibe with the opening. Uh, but dude, uh, Doing to Others is a fantastic song. I mean, it is super catchy. gets them in. Um, I, I love the album. I really do. I've played it over and over and over and over again. It's gotten better every time I listen to it. It's fantastic. It's got the guitar solos you want and Robert's big, big old drums. It's got the first album with Perry Richardson, who's the bassist. He used to be in Firehouse. His vocals are straight up. It's a really, really good album. It's just a good hard rock heavy metal album. It is. So leaves me with number one. And you might, if you know all this music, you might say, okay, Gordon, you got through ACDC. I get it. Striper, you're a fan. Ace Frehley, you're a fan. You know, I, I think uh, Rolling Stone said Lamb of God was the number one hard rock album of the year. Um, Ozzy, I get it. Who is left? And this one, it, if you haven't heard it, you're going to scratch your head and you're going to go, what? But the number one album for me in just of listenability this year is L.A. Guns' Renegades. And you're like, what? Because let me explain. L.A. Guns is another one of those bands where they have split and there's two versions of L.A. Guns. There's the LA Guns that has Tracy Guns in it, and he tours. But this LA Guns is the one that has Stephen Riley in it. Now, he is the drummer um, from the classic lineup and has actually been in LA Guns longer because Tracy Guns left at one point in time to record Brides of Destruction with Nikki Six. And so this LA Guns version, uh, there's all these lawsuits back and forth with them, um, but it's got two members of the classic lineup, and they went out and got some new members. And so they put out an album called Renegades. And when it came out, I just thought, eh, okay. I mean, you know, because often the, it's hard for one band to put out one good album, much less for there to be two versions of the same band. And I've just got to say, I can't stop listening to this album. It has been just on, it's just been over and over and over again. It is a strong rock and roll album. It just is. It, it, I, I could, I mean, I really wish that these guys could go ahead and put out another album immediately because um, I can't tour on this right now. But 
Um, all right, so let me explain a little bit of why I like this album so much. Okay, um, let me. I'm not going to play it for you because I don't have the rights to do that. If I did this as a Spotify only podcast, I could, um, but I'm not going to do that because I really want folks to, to listen to it. So, opening this on Crawl is super catchy. It's going to just catch you. It really is. It's strong. Um, they got a song called Lost Boys, which I just really, really love. Um, there's a song called Witchcraft, which is a harken back to those like 50s rock tunes, like you put a spell on me kind of thing. Uh, Royal Old Machine, Ellie Guns always has a song about riding motorcycles. Uh, not my background, but guys, just here's the thing. This is an incredible album. It's a good hard rock rocking album. If, if you like hard rock at all and like heavy sort of that um, Guns N' Roses vibe, they're not as good as Guns N' Roses, but you want that kind of vibe. You've got to listen to L.A. Guns, Renegades. I'm still not tired to it of it. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it. I go back to it over and over again. I keep thinking, listen to something else, Gordon, and I can't. So just, it's incredible. So my 10, Iron Maiden's Night of the Death, tied with Volbeat's Rewind, Replay, and Rebound. Number 9, Ozzy's uh, Ordinary Man. Number 9, Liquid Death, Greatest Hates. Number 7, Testament, Titans of Creation. Number 6, Alcatraz is Born Innocent. Five, Lamb of God's Lamb of God. Uh, number four, Ace Fraley's Origins, Volume 2. Number three, ACDC Power Up. Number two, Striper's uh, Even the Devil Believes. And number one is LA Guns Renegades. So I hate to do this, but I got to tell you the album I was most disappointed in. I hate it. I, I, I'm not going to I hate to end on a low note, but I just can't get into Metallica's S&M 2. Okay. So S&M was Metallica's symphony album uh 10 years ago 10 12 years ago metallica snm where they like many bands recorded with a symphony it was really good and so they decided to do an snm 2 and it was like hey in the middle of the pandemic let's get it and you know what i'm sure the performance was great i just don't think the album captured their live vibe i really don't maybe it was because they've already done this and they just played some of their new songs but it just didn't capture that live vibe for me. So I'm afraid I was a little disappointed in that. Um, you know, I was just disappointed in it. It, it. I can't say I was super hopeful for it because I'm just not vibing on those guys right now, but I was disappointed on it. But otherwise, too many good things in here for you guys to be um, to forget about. Listen, if you get Ace Freely's ACDC Striper and LA Guns album, you will be entertained for a good long time. Um, so guys, that's it. That is my top 10 hard rock heavy metal albums of the year. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm trying to put together my top movies of the year released in 2020, and hopefully you'll catch that soon. Go out and check out some of those great new releases. There's good music out there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, friends. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.